Welcome to Real Talk, Real Women, Breaking the Silence Around Abuse. I am Gemma Serenity, your host, and today we are welcoming Michelle Jewsbury. Michelle Jewsbury is an international philanthropist, speaker, author, and breakthrough coach. In May 2014, she took her first humanitarian trip to Guatemala, where she volunteered at an orphanage on the Rio Dulce. In 2015, she served as Vice President for Young Vision Africa, a nonprofit organization that encourages young leaders in Sierra Leone to make lasting changes in their country. Michelle left Young Vision Africa in August 2016 to focus her efforts on ending domestic violence after surviving a four-year abusive relationship herself. Michelle wrote, produced, and performed a critically acclaimed play about her experience entitled, But I Love Him. She has since completed and published a personal memoir on the same title. In, to- in July 2017, Michelle founded Unsilenced Voices, a 5013 nonprofit that empowers survivors of domestic violence, sexual assault, and human trafficking to live safe, happy lives using financial assistance, community education, and revolutionary blockchain technology. Today, Unsilenced Voices serves communities in the United States, Ghana, Rwanda, and Sierra Leone. So welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Super excited to be able to share with your audience. Thank you. My first question. We just mentioned that you have experienced four years of abusive relationship. What kind of abuse did you overcome? Did you experience? So yeah, a little bit about me. I um, I grew up in a small town in Idaho and my parents were very loving. I never saw my dad lift his hand or let alone yell at my mother or vice versa. So fast forward my life and in 2011, towards the end of 2011, I ended up meeting somebody, this blonde haired, blue eyed boy who swept me off my feet. And he began to pursue me, sent me flowers and gifts, took me to concerts and, and flew me around in a plane for us to travel. And it was a lot of fun. And I thought that this man, we'll call him Paul, was my Prince Charming, was my knight in shining armor. And about four months into that relationship was the first sign of physical violence, where he had pushed me so hard up against a wall that my head went through it. And I didn't realize that this was domestic violence. I had no idea growing up. I didn't witness it. I was from a a middle-class family. My mama and daddy raised me to be a strong, independent woman. So when I started to go through this, I was very unprepared and unaware. I ended up staying with my abuser for four years. During those four years, I endured psychological manipulation, physical violence, sexual abuse, and financial abuse. The financial abuse is a component that a lot of people don't talk about. And then I escaped. And when I escaped, God had miraculous plans for me, which I'm sure we'll get into, and uh, have been able to start a nonprofit called Unsilenced Voices. I've been able to write and perform a play, write my first book called But I Love Him, working on my second book now, and speak on stages all around the world. So 2020, I actually was stuck in Egypt and Ghana and Sierra Leone coming back when the world shut down. So that was quite interesting. And in 2020, I was on over 150 different virtual platforms as guests and the podcast guests and hosting my own events. And now I'm speaking on live stages again, which which is pretty nice. So 
that's kind of me in a nutshell. And I get to coach people and help people turn their stories into businesses and nonprofits. And that's one of my favorite things to do. Isn't that amazing? Thank you so much for sharing. It's super powerful when you can turn your pain into purpose, when you can make your story of abuse an asset in your life so that you can help others during their story because it's still awful to go through that kind of situation. But when we are able to prevail and to then help others and uplift others, it's like, okay, that makes it worth it because now we know exactly why it did happen, why we went through that so that we can help others. Yeah. And you know, God has, God has a different plan and he is able to turn broken pieces into beautiful things. And that's what he's been able to do with me. And that's what he's able to do with many of you out there who may be experiencing different forms of violence and different forms of abuses. Your story matters, you matter, and there is a plan for you. And you don't have to stay stuck in the circumstances that have defined you thus far, but you get to choose the road that you get to go down next. And by choosing, you choose you. You don't choose your past pain. You choose your future ambitions and the life that you are meant to live. Exactly. Thank you so much for precising that. This is so true. This is so true. So my question for you next would be, I understand that you ended up leaving a four years abusive relationship and then one day you escaped. What happened around this escape that, first of all, allowed you to shift your mindset and believe that you can escape, which is not a given, it doesn't happen to everybody, and then to shift your life around, because it did shift a big way, in a big, big way. Yeah, yeah, interesting question. So oftentimes you reach a breaking point in a domestic violence relationship. That breaking point can be um, severe abuse. It can be, in my case, it was finding out that my abuser was cheating on me. And subconsciously, I allowed the physical, sexual, and financial abuse, the emotional manipulation. But when I found out that he was cheating on me and having affairs, I lost it. And I remember just crying and crying and crying. And Paul said to me, hey, why don't, why don't you go back to Los Angeles for a little while and get your head back on straight? And that's what I did. I, I went back to LA and when I was in Los Angeles, I sat there and he still communicated with me multiple times a day, checking in on me. Um, and he was in control of my finances. I didn't work at that time. He actually didn't let me work towards the, the beginning of our relationship. And when I sat there, there was a time in my life where I just sat and just started to write, write down my experiences, write down what it is that I had went through. And I read it back to myself. And that's when I had the aha moment. That's when I was like, wow, how is this me that I'm reading about? And that's when I knew I had to do something. Like I said earlier, my mom and dad raised me to be a strong, independent woman. So now it was time to shine my voice. And I actually thought that I was going to be working for an organization, uh, working with an organization, but he had different plans. And in 2017, I was able to found Unsilenced Voices, where we began in Ghana, expanded to Sierra Leone, Rwanda, and the U.S. But it definitely was a, a shift in perspective. You know, the 
vulgar language, the insults and the manipulation that you hear often from an abuser causes you to have a lack of self-esteem, causes you to be insecure in your own body. I remember multiple times that I would drive in a vehicle and if I was driving and say my passenger was a male, I would have anxiety because my abuser used to yell at me and scream at me and hurt me while I was in a vehicle driving. And um, it took a lot for me to overcome that. And I started to invest in myself. I decided, you know, traditional therapy was good for me. Uh, I also believe in non-traditional modalities. And I knew that I had to get a coach and a mentor. And that's what I did. You know, I began um, shifting my perspective and shifting my mindset because I was able to be around individuals that encouraged me instead of tear me down. That's beautiful. Thank you. It is true. When we go to, through therapy, we talk about the past. And when we go through coaching and mentoring, we go and we work on the future. And that makes a huge difference. If you want to heal what was, okay, you go to therapy. If you want to become all that you can be, you go to coaching and mentoring who holds you not only accountable, but allows you to break limiting beliefs that stops you from moving forward. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, definitely. I, I think that it's important to understand that a coach and a mentor can actually help you to utilize your story, where therapists help you to overcome the pain that you may be experiencing, the pain that you have gone through. But the coach and the mentor sees your story as a, as a possibility right? Sees your story as, as, a, as an opportunity for you to not only generate an income and monetize your experiences, but also give back to the community around you and be able to do that in a way that is benefiting both you and creating a domino effect of change. Absolutely. This is right. This is right. So you, Michelle, you offer Unsilenced Voices 501c3. Do you offer so coaching in that um, in that uh, environment? I do, but how about you? Yeah, so so there's a couple of things there. I do personalized one-on-one -on -one coaching. I have two boot camps a year where you can get information at ultimatebreakthroughbootcamp.com. Um, those boot camps are typically held in April and October. And that's where I'm able to help transform somebody's story into a business or a nonprofit. We go through all of the steps to, to be able to break down the paperwork and everything. And with unsilenced voices, if you are in the midst of an abusive relationship and you are looking for subsidies, so financial help, we have a new program happening in 2023 where you can go on unsilencedvoices.org apply for assistance. And with that monthly stipend, you get one-on-one -on -one personalized coaching. Uh, it may turn into group coaching because we do have an influx of applicants. However, you get the coaching in order for you to start planning for your future as well. So two separate programs. Uh, one is specific for somebody who is in need at the moment, who may be on the brink of homelessness, uh, maybe on the brink of suicidal tendencies and thoughts or just like really involved in the domestic violence 
arena. Uh, and then on the other hand, the the coaching and the, the breakthrough boot camp where somebody has overcome or at least escaped that relationship. And now they're trying to determine what they get to do with their story. Absolutely. So the topic of the day is really running a domestic violence nonprofit. That can be a dream for, I would say for many, maybe for some of us, but what does it entails? What does it take to run a domestic violence nonprofit? So there's a lot of ducks that you have to get in a row. And it's interesting you ask this question because I'm actually putting together a group crash course to really kind of help people run the nonprofit. So it's a need. A lot of people want to be able to turn their stories into something even more valuable or whatever it is that they're passionate about. But I will tell you that running a nonprofit, 75% to 85% of that is fundraising. You can't do anything without funding. And this is why Unsilenced Voices has two fundraisers a year. And we are looking for corporate sponsors. We have donation right on the website. We also accept cryptocurrency as donation. We've gotten into the Web3 space and we have NFTs for sale as well. But being able to bring in funding is what's so essential. So then you can serve the communities that you're in. So for example, in Sierra Leone, we have right now 26 survivors of sex trafficking, of domestic violence and sexual abuse that we sponsor through vocational training and traditional education models. And we help them through lunches with lunches. We help them um, every month. We hold a sensitization for sex workers. We also work with market women and villages in the area um, where we are able to really encourage and uplift. But also education is a key component to seeing sustainable change. So in all the countries that we're in, including the United States, education is so, so incredibly invaluable because people don't know what they don't know. So when you talk about these developing countries that we work in, a lot of times women are unaware that life can be different. You know, it's been culturally ingrained in them that they are beat up, that uh, they're abused. And there are now laws being put into place in all these countries where it's illegal to continue some of these cruel acts against women in particular. And, and what's really great to see is that when these women and men start to realize this, there is a shift, right? And you talk about mental shifts. So there's a shift in their perspective, their dialogue with one another changes, their actions change. In the U.S., one of our main focuses is human trafficking. And a lot of people are unaware that trafficking happens in the United States, that there's over 25 million kids worldwide that are being trafficked that in order to create change, we have to make the community, the public aware that it's actually quite easy to get trapped in a, uh, a, a, a pimp's peripheral vision that they uh, prey on our youth using technology like video games and social media. And it's just keeping an eye out in order to end that. And then of course, with the domestic violence component, knowing that you have a way out, that there is an opportunity for you, that you don't have to stay, that especially in the United States, there are many programs, many police officers put in place 
to help you. So it's really great. I'm very excited to be serving. It is a lot of work, but if that is something that you want to do is start a nonprofit, please contact me. Like I said, I'm very excited to teach this because the more people we can teach, the more we can have a domino effect. Thank you for sharing. That's truly amazing. So tell us a little bit about that transition that you did experience between you escape, you live now in LA, you try to get rid of that influence from this hall that you chose to name that way for this show. <laughs> and um, and fast forward, running a nonprofit, teaching others how to do so, and empowering. I mean, there is a, there is a healing and transformation journey in between. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? I mean, yeah, it's... Uh... At first, like I said, I, I was just writing and it came out in a play format and I performed that and I had no intention back then to start my own nonprofit. People started coming up to me after they saw this play. Uh, it was called But I Love Him. It was performed in 2016 at the White Fire Solo Fest and later on that year at the Hollywood Fringe Festival. And people just started telling me their stories of abuse, of trauma. Uh, the stories that their brothers and neighbors and sisters and mothers have experienced. And that's when I started to realize how broad this problem really is, how how big of an injustice that we're dealing with. And that's when I set my sights on, you know, focusing my efforts to end domestic violence. I was actually vice president for a nonprofit at that time working in Sierra Leone. And I was able to travel to Sierra Leone and speak to two groups of women about domestic violence in their country. And it made it even more apparent to me how, how much that these women in particular in that country wanted help and wanted assistance. And um, I knew that you know I had to do something even more. And our stories matter, right? Our stories are, are what can transform the lives of the people around us. However, it took me a while to realize that it was my story that God was calling. I thought that I was going to be working for a nonprofit. I thought that uh, specifically I was going to be working at the Downtown Women's Center on Skid Row in Los Angeles, amazing organization. I volunteered there for about six months uh, after leaving my position with Young Vision Africa, and I didn't get employment. And I was like, okay, so what now, right? And I ended up flying up to Oakland for a, an interview with another organization called Art and Abolition that worked in Kenya specifically to help young kids from sex trafficking. And uh, they did some really amazing work, but I didn't feel like I was supposed to be there. So I literally just walked around the streets of San Francisco the next day. I went to Pier 39 and had some clam chowder and drank my glass of wine. I love wine. And uh, God had sent me this, this gentleman and came up to me and we started talking and he heard my story and he said, you, got, you should start a nonprofit organization. That's when I was like, well, I guess now I should listen. Isn't that interesting? Because sometimes we hear the voice. We hear our, 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 the, the inner voice within our mind tell us that, hey, you should do this or try your hand at this. We hear God telling us, I have a plan for you. And oftentimes we're like, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm not going to answer yes. 
But then finally you get sent the message so many times, it's it's hard to say no. So I finally said yes. And that's what happened in 2017. I had no idea what I was doing. I never ran an organization before like this. Um, I worked as vice president with the other organization and I volunteered a lot. So I learned, but I never ran it myself. So when I started, it was baby steps. You know, the first couple of years we were going slow. And then now year five, we are we are pushing, you know, we are pushing to open a day center in Tampa. We are pushing for more grant money and, and sustainable uh, money where we can help other organizations grow because we believe in collaboration and coalitions. I think that's really important as well. Um, but it, it started off slow and I learned and I ended up getting a great board and a great team around us. And then now we're in the process of raising even more funding so that we can expand to other countries, but also expand in the U.S. to where we can create these centers and continue the movement. I'm very proud of you, I must say. Hmm. Thanks. Because it is, it is, it takes big guts to dare to say yes and to figure it out on the go, learn by doing. It, it's not easy at all. And and the number of obstacles that you had, like, oh, this now, okay, so how do I overcome that? Okay, that way, okay, very good, on this side. And the next, uh, now what? Oh, God. So how many times did you turn to God or spiritual realm to say, hey, and now what? I'm doing what you said, and now what? Uh, right now is actually one of those times. So okay. what's very interesting is I'll, I'll share this with you. I got to look on my phone real fast to find the exact verse. Um, but I was in the middle of just a feeling of deflated, right? Like, oh my gosh, there's so much work that we need to do. And it's, we don't have enough funding yet. Right. We don't have the funding that's necessary in order for us to expand the way that we want to go yet. And uh, the feeling of just like, oh, what, why, are, why am I doing this? And oftentimes I know so many people who ask that same question that they may feel overwhelmed, that it's just too much of a burden to carry on their shoulders. But something that's important is that it's not our burden to carry. There's two things that I want to share here. I hope I have the time. But I have, uh, I went on a mission trip to India, Hyderabad, India, and this was in 2016, 2015, 15 or 16. Um, when I was in Hyderabad, India, I saw the extreme abuse to women. And I remember going back to the bus and sitting next to one of the women that I had gone there with. And I just said, why are we doing this? You know, I, I don't see the, the change, the immediate change that, that we all want to see with our efforts. And this woman looked at me and she said, it is not up to us to finish the job. It is up to us to start the job. It is up to God to finish the job. Which then leads me into this uh, verse that I was, you know, frustrated recently. I, I'm very spiritual. I'm definitely... Um, I definitely believe in Christ, but I also believe in the spirituality of it where find God your way and 
I, uh, I oftentimes just open up the Bible and start reading. And uh, this was, you know, without any prayer, but he knew my frustration. And in 2 Corinthians 8, uh, verse 10, it says, I suggest that you finish what you started a year ago, for you were the first to propose this idea and you were the first to begin doing something about it. Now you should carry this project through to completion just as enthusiastically as you began it. And you tell me that's not a sign from God. That's gorgeous. That is gorgeous. You said two Corinthians. Uh, second Corinthians eight. Corinthians eight. Yeah. Then verse thirteen. No, verse ten. Verse ten. Oh, okay. I'm going to have that scroll a little while. Okay. Voila. 2 Corinthians 8, yeah. 10. That's a good reference. Yeah. And for whoever is looking at that, just plug that into Google and you will see. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, you know, take it, take it for uh, how it means for you. You know, for me, it, it's an encouragement to keep going. Um, and for you, you know, it may translate differently. And just, you know, keep your ears open and your eyes open. And uh, just be able to pivot when necessary. But I oftentimes uh, like to say that God can't steer a parked car. So always stay moving and then he can steer it. That is such a beautiful image. Because indeed, when you try to experience something and you pray for something to happen and you want something to happen and you just stay, stay put, hoping it happens, it may at some point, of course, but when you put yourself in movement, doing something in the direction of what you expect, yeah. or just go through your motion, goes go through your day. Mm-hmm. The fact of being in motions allow a lot of things to happen, allow people to meet, allow to hear something, allow to look, to open your Bible. You are going through your motions, you open the Bible. To go through just meeting someone who just tells you you shall start a nonprofit, but for that you were you you were to be at that place and meet that person in that you were in motion mm-hmm. with your questions and your expectation and your where you are. Yep, amazing, exactly, amazing. So yeah, Michelle, I'm very very grateful for our conversation. Grateful to give a solution to victims hiding in plain sight like you like me at the time it did happen knowing that there is a future there is light on the other side of the uh, other side of the tunnel there is hope but for that you have to allow yourself to get hope mm-hmm. and to see some things that you are not able to see from where you are another vision i always image i always love is to say okay Imagine you are in a huge, uh, a huge cruise ship and you are at the bottom of it and you see nothing because of the fog. Now imagine that God is at the top of this gigantic cruise ship and can see above the fog and direct you. Just have to trust even though you cannot see it. I like that. I like that. And I, before you let me go, I want to leave your viewers with, with just two more things. Right. Um, that's okay. So... If you go to unsilencemyvoice.com, um, then you can find and download Steps to Overcoming Challenges. And it's a PDF document that really 
helps you. If you're in the US, you can also text a number. So this one's actually easier if you text the word UNITE, U-N-I-T-E, to 26786. Again, text UNITE, U-N-I-T-E, to 26786. Then you'll receive a text back and you can uh, download these steps. Uh, it's a very visual uh, where you can really overcome some of the challenges that you may be experiencing. And um, the, the last thing that I want to leave everybody with is there's a movie that I love that I always end podcasts with. And it's called Finding Nemo. Have you seen Finding Nemo? Yes. So uh, Dory in that movie, she always sings, just keep swimming. So always keep swimming. Always keep going. Just keep going. Just keep swimming. Putting one foot in front of the other because you don't have to stay trapped in the circumstances that you're in. Your life can and will change. And it's by choice. And if you are in a situation where you are forced or you are being trafficked or you are being held, I believe that God can open doors for you and your life will be completely different than it needs now. So just keep going. Just keep going. That's gorgeous. Thank you so, so much. I'm really grateful for our conversation. Thank you for being here. Thank you for blessing us with your experience, giving solutions coding for fundraising. You never know who is listening to that. Never know. That's very true. And we need your help. <laughs> exactly. We need your help to help others. We need yeah. your help to help you. Basically, this is it. So thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you to you. Have an amazing end of your day. You too. Bye-bye.